Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Oh, so I'm on, my, I'm on the last series uh, of The Make Room and uh, my, the title of the message is called Spirit Empowered Life. Okay, and... Um, before I get started, um, I mean, for those who don't know me, my name's Leo. I'm one of the campus leaders with our church, um, and um, I'm just going to talk about this morning. The years ago in 2002, we had this prophetic word by Pastor Jim Lafoon, and um, he's one of our prophets for Every Nation, and he shared this word, and it was really an insight about our nation, about what was happening in our nation. And so I'm just going to read it out to you, so you can have a listen to what he's actually got to say. He says, when I felt this nation, I could feel a suffocating apathy that tries to come over this generation. Even in churches, it suffocates and it steals fire. And I tell you, the answer to apathy is the zeal of the Lord. The secret to maintaining zeal is very simple. Zeal without knowledge will not last. God wants us to fill this zeal with knowledge. This morning, I want to communicate the, the knowledge that God wants us to hear. You know, I believe God wants to change our church, but it requires power. It requires power. You know what Bucky was sharing? You know, he received salvation. That was his position in Christ. You see, for power to come always precedes, precedes, sorry, precedes position. We have to be born again. We have to be saved. That's our position we're positioned, then the power of God flows through us. The title of my message is Spirit-Empowered Life. What is a spirit-empowered life? What does that mean? It is a life completely submitted and yielded under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our lives and use us like a conduit. A conduit is a uh, tube or trough for protecting electric wiring. And it's like us. God is using us like a conduit where his power can flow through us. You see, we need the power of God in our lives. We need the power of God so that we can live effective lives, so that God can use us, so that we can be a witness, so that we can change lives, so that people can come to know Jesus, so that we can truly live out the power of God in our lives, so that when people look at us, that they see us as not a hypocrite, but they see us as someone who truly lives out a, a, a life that walks and talks like Jesus here on earth. You know, the very purpose that Jesus said in the book of Acts, uh, in the book of Acts, you turn to the next slide, Jesus commanded the disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. It's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, during this time, Jesus commanded them. And if you notice that there was only 120 in the upper room. When I read in, the, in, in Corinthians in the Bible, it says that um, <clears throat> when Jesus died and rose again, there was over 500 witnesses saw, they saw Jesus risen from the dead. But the question is, where did the 380 go when Jesus commanded them to wait for the spirit to come. Maybe the 380 thought, oh, you know what? 
we've, we've already seen Jesus risen from the dead. I mean, come on, that's, that's, that's a, an amazing miracle, seeing Jesus rise from the dead. I mean, if you saw Ulu rise from the dead and, you know, maybe his hair will grow back or something. But, like, come on, like, it's so powerful, the fact that, you know, um, that's amazing. It's a miracle. So maybe for these 380, they thought, you know what, cool, we've seen Jesus risen from the dead. Let's just go out and let's go and just preach the gospel now. That's enough. You know, in fact, you can still go out and be a Christian without the filling of the Holy Spirit, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can be a Christian, you can read your Bible, you can go to church, you can do the normal Christian thing. But my question to you is, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? Does God get the glory? Or do you get the glory? You see, the 120 disciples waited for the Spirit, and it came like a rushing wind. Tongues of fire came. That 120 went out and lived like Jesus and did great works, greater works than Jesus. When I think about our church right now here, we probably have about 120 of us here. Man, imagine 120 of us all here filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and going out and seeing 3,000 souls won into the kingdom of God. You know what? I believe God can do that. Yes, He can. So, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? Does God get the glory or you get the glory? I remembered, uh, do you guys remember the story, uh, do you remember Encore back in the days? We used to have this outreach called Encore, and every month we would have uh, so many young people come to this event, and the gospel would be preached, we'd have worship, and um, people were getting healed, people were getting emotionally healed, some, some people's legs were growing out, you know, they're getting Amazing, amazing things were happening, and I remember hundreds and hundreds of young people were getting saved. And um, I remembered in my early years of doing ministry, uh, I was doing the, the altar call at the end of the service. You know, the preacher would preach the word, and then I was going to, you know, share and, and bring people to, to, um, to come to know Jesus. And I remembered through the conversation prior to this, I met someone who was blind, and um, this person, um, I felt at the end, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Leonard, go and bring this person up, you know, talk, talk about this person, tell him to come up. And so I said, excuse me, so-and-so, can you stand up? Uh, I know there's someone here that's blind, that needs to be healed right now. Please come up to the front. You need to get healed. And then he was just resisting. He was like, no, 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 I'm not going to go up. And then I said it again the second time, please, can you come up? I felt the Holy Spirit say that you need to come up and you need to get healed right now. You're, you're going to see. You're going you're, you're to stop being blind. You're going to see. And he still didn't go up. He was still sitting there resisting. He didn't want to go up because he was scared. He didn't. And I was thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, I'm going to look like a fool right now because I'm, like, praying for this. And, and, and I thought I heard from the Holy Spirit that, that someone's blind. And, you know, and I talked to this guy, and he, he is blind. And he still didn't come up. And then eventually he just sat there, didn't get up. And there was a bit of a pause at the moment. But then someone stood up and said, hey, 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 I'm blind. I'm blind. I'm 80% blind in my eyes. And he came down and I prayed for him. And then he got healed. He completely got healed. And the crowd goes wild. Yes. Woohoo. He gets healed. 
Praise God. You see, at the end of the day, God gets the glory, not me. God gets the glory. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to, to heal the sick. And this blind person got healed. Um, <clears throat> I, remembered, I remembered back in the days, we, in my early years, I was doing a missions trip with a, with a small team of us. And um, we went to Guam, and Fee was part of that trip as well. We went, we went to Guam, and Guam is next to Hawaii. And um, I remember who was leading the team was a short Asian guy, and um, he used to quote the scripture in Luke 6.46, and he used to have this strong accent. He used to go, why do you call me Lot, Lot, and do, do what I say? You know, and I, yeah, some of you guys know who he is. But anyways, it was a funny story, because, um, you know, when... When, when he was leading our team, you know, he was a short Asian guy, and, and there was this other guy called Jacob Stowers. I think you guys, some of you guys know him. He used to come to our church, and he was this tall um, guy who was real eloquent when he spoke, you know, and whenever he preached the gospel, there was this, like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, you know, real eloquent. And it was real funny because, like, on the trip, when we uh, went to, the, to Every Nation Guam, we were standing up and we were introducing ourselves. It was real funny. I'm not joking. Like, everyone thought that Jacob Stowers was the leader of the group, and it was actually, you know, this this short Asian guy that goes, why do you call me Lot Lot and do not what I say, you know. But anyways, um, that's not the real story of why I'm sharing this anyways. Uh, um, anyways, spirit-empowered life. I mean, through this, I remembered, like I said, God gets the glory. You know, our assignment was to equip the young people. Our assignment was to equip the youth in Guam. And, um, you know, we were there to preach the gospel, um, get them saved, and then baptize them in the Holy Spirit, and then equip them to share their faith. And I recall this 12-year-old boy, uh, 12-year-old boy, you know, he was just so hungry, you know. He gave his life to Jesus. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then not long after that, he went out and he started sharing his faith. And I remember he shared to us that he went out and he spoke to this drunk guy on the road, and in fact, he laid his hands on him, and the power of God went on this, on this drunk guy, and he became sober. And then he preached the gospel to him. He did that two-question testing that what Bucky was talking about. And then he gets saved, and he leads him on in a prayer of salvation. Wow, a 12-year-old boy. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. I mean, this 12-year-old boy was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and that God gets the glory. You see, a spirit-empowered life starts with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one on my first point, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you read in the book of Acts, there's five examples of people getting saved uh, and, and, and being um, filled with the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands, through maybe the preaching of the word, and then they respond um, Obviously, a sign came through they were speaking in tongues, or maybe they were prophesying, maybe they were speaking the word of God. <clears throat> but I'm going to look through the story of the Apostle Paul. Can I get everyone to uh, read, go through your Bible in the book of Acts? And we're starting in chapter 9, uh, verse 3. And I want to share about the Apostle Paul. Get your tablets, phones paper Bibles. <clears throat> so if, for those who don't know about the Apostle Paul, he was not known as the Apostle Paul yet. He was known as Saul in the Bible before he became the Apostle Paul. 
Saul was very active in Judaism. I mean, he was a Pharisee of all Pharisees, very knowledgeable. If you compare his, his intelligence and his degree right now in this modern day, he, was, he had the PhDs of PhDs. He was so intelligent. And he was known um, during that day as a terrorist. I mean, he was killing Christians. He was going out and murdering Christians and dragging some Christ, you know, dragging Christians back to Jerusalem so they could be in prison because he didn't, you know, for him, he saw that the way or Christianity was a false teaching. As a Jew, as you know, um, believing in Judaism, you know, he was tr- going out there to kill Christians, and so he was on a task to go to Damascus to continue doing the same thing, to go and drag more Christians, capture them, and bring them back to Jerusalem. And you read in verse 3, heading to Damascus, it says in verse 3, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although he, his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and, and he either ate, sorry, he neither ate nor drank. See, the first lesson you can learn from this. Uh, from, from the Apostle Paul, sorry, with Saul, is that he made Jesus Lord of his life, number one. He says, who are you, Lord? The Bible's so clear that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, the Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, the, only, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can reveal to you that Jesus is Lord. You know, I remember talking to some people and, I'm, and I asked them, can you say Jesus is Lord? They honestly can't say it because something about that, when they call Jesus Lord, they, they honestly can't say it. Or maybe when they do say it, they don't really mean it. Because there has to be a moment in your life where, like I said before, there's a preceding before power comes, a position where you're born again. I believe at that very moment, Saul was born again because he got a revelation that Jesus is Lord. He is a Jew who believes in Judaism, and Judaism does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the king. They believe that God is going to come back from the clouds and, you know, reveal himself that way. They did not believe that God came in a humble state, born in a major, Jesus Christ, God in flesh. He was born again at that very moment when he said, Jesus is Lord. Number two, Jesus said to Saul that to go into the city because you will be told what to do. We, Ulu was talking about earlier about discipleship. You see, the Apostle Paul, even though he was so intelligent and so smart, and he had a PhD of PhDs, yes, but he still had to be discipled. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, it doesn't matter whether you have been a believer for how long, or maybe you've just gotten saved, you 
need someone to come into your life and teach you and help you follow Jesus. Discipleship is not dictatorship. It's not about trying to make someone, you know, you're not lord over them, but you're trying to teach them to follow Jesus. And that's what, that's what Saul needed at that time. He needed someone to come and tell him what to do, tell him that he needs to follow Christ. And so that's what happened. <clears throat> he submitted under the lordship of Jesus, and then he allowed a mature Christian to tell him what to do. <clears throat> and so when you read in Acts 9, starting uh, going on to verse 15 now, it says, <clears throat> God uses Ananias. So God is using Ananias to reach out to the disciple Saul. Um, I mean, Ananias was scared. I mean, who, who wouldn't be scared, you know, trying to go up to talk to this terrorist here? And so in verse 15, it says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained sight. Then he rose and was baptized <clears throat> and taking food and he was strengthened. See, discipleship is so key here. Like with the apostle, with Paul here, the scales, his eyes, he started to see now. Sometimes through discipleship, we need people in our, in our life to speak the truth because we all have blind, we, have, we all have a blind sight. You know, we all have, we have a blind sight. Like when, that, that term of when you're driving, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a blind point there where you can't see, you know, and we need that in our lives. <clears throat> so Saul was saved. Uh, Ananias laid his hands on him. You know, he prayed for him, and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. God gets the glory. <clears throat> you know, and, and when you continue to read through the story of Paul, he, he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, scholars have even said that, you know, they believe that the Paul, I mean, Saul became Paul. His life was completely changed. And I the scholars would say that um, his relationship with God was so close and so intimate and so genuine. I mean, I believe that it was even closer to what Peter was going through with his relationship with God. I mean, he was with Peter for, for three years in physical form. But Paul was with uh, Jesus as Holy Spirit, and he was in this closeness with, with relationship with him. A spirit-empowered life involves... Uh, us being empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Number two, that's on my second point. A Spirit-empowered life, it involves we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister to others. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, when you read in the book of Acts, there was always this common thing that happens when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. People hear the gospel of Jesus, and they see the gospel of Jesus. 
I remembered preaching the gospel at, uh, on campus, and we were in uh, the commons room, and um, I was playing table tennis with one of the students, and then I started building relation with him, and I started sharing with him, and I did the God test. The God test was kind of like the two-question test thing, and um, I shared the gospel to him. He responded to the gospel, but I didn't just leave it there, you know, because this guy had crutches, and he, and he had an ACL injury. Um, some of you athletes will understand that ACL injury, you know, and um, he couldn't walk. He was on crutches. And so I just decided, look, I believe the Holy Spirit's in me. I mean, this is me talking to myself. I believe the Holy Spirit's in me. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I laid hands and I prayed for him. And he gets instantly healed right in front of, like, everyone in the commons room. And I said to him, look, just, just start walking now. And he, and he put his crutches away and he started walking, you know. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to use you and to flow through you, not for your glory, but for His glory. Because when we preach the gospel, people hear the gospel and they see the gospel. Sometimes people need to see the gospel and then they'll believe. You know, when he saw that, his friends saw that, and he started to believe. See, God wants to bring His power on your life, and it doesn't just flow through me, it flows through you as well. It's not just for the disciples at the time in the book of Acts. It's now we can receive the same power. But it requires us to submit under the lordship of Jesus and obey him and step out of our comfort zone. Because remember, remember Ananias, God told him to go and lay hands on this terrorist. He was scared. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, yes, we can be scared, but don't let that fear grip you. You just obey the Holy Spirit and you go out and you allow the power of God to use you. Amen? Amen. Um, <clears throat> some of you guys had um, been on this trip years ago. Um, we, we went on the short-term missions trip to Australia in Perth and um, we were involved with helping a church plant, um, trying to help this small church plant. Uh, Pastor Franco at the time was leading this church plant um, real small number of people, and um, we were reaching the university, uh, Edith Cohen University in Perth. And so some of you guys probably remember that story. You know, we're going there to do, to do this missions trip. And um, <clears throat> we were staying at a small sort of hostel villa place, and, and um, we were equipping our, our leaders. And I remember uh, through the session, we were equipping our, our leaders, and um, he was in the room when we were, you know, obviously doing doing a time of equipping. And for some reason, he just he was he was just frozen. Like he was just couldn't talk, and um, we didn't know what was going on um, with him. And and so me and uh, Adrian Lim, uh, Adrian is from from Every Nation Central Church in our in our in our church in Auckland City, and um, we were praying for him. And because um, because he almost looked like a like he was just so scared, like a like a dead zombie or something. He was, and and we asked him, and we were just like sometimes you know when. When we're ministering, we, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. You know, the Holy Spirit is the best minister. And so we were just praying and praying. You know, we're just praying in tongues like, Holy Spirit, what can we do? You know, how, how can we minister? Because he's just frozen right there, you know. And then the Holy Spirit gave us a word. And um, he gave a word to Adrian Lim. And he said, and it was a word oppression. You know, um, uh, I feel like you've been oppressed, like, like, like someone's holding you down spiritually, something, something's holding you down. And then <clears throat> the Holy Spirit gave me a word as we were just, you know, ministering to him. 
and it was a word in the scripture. You know, the Holy Spirit reminds you in the word. And um, the, the scripture was that it was about um, unforgiveness. You know, when we don't forgive someone, um, then God will not forgive you of your sin if you don't forgive this person. And, and I spoke that to him and I said, but you haven't forgiven someone. And then he started opening up and he started sharing with me. He said, yes, you know, I, I've, I've, I've held some, some bitterness towards my dad because, you know, he was absent and he, and he, would, um, he, he was always absent in my life and, he, and I, just, I just held some, some anger and unforgiveness towards him. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit ministered to him. We prayed for him. He got healed and he got, and he got ministered to, you know. Like I said, it doesn't matter um, whether you're a pastor or you're a leader or, or whatever status. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to minister to others. A Spirit-empowered life is allowing the Holy Spirit, you know, being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Second, the Holy Spirit uses you to minister to others. And my, and my third point as I close my third point is the Holy Spirit. We will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. We will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness means to be like Jesus, to walk like him, to talk like him. You know what? The greatest testimony and the greatest witness is when the power of God flows through us, is when you're in your workplace and you don't swear like your colleagues. You don't go and look at the things that what they're looking at, maybe on their breaks. Or maybe you don't go and do the things that they're doing. You know, Jesus went out and reached out to the lost, and he went into those places like a, like a, like a bar, you know, and help, helped out those, those that were drunk. But he didn't do it alone. He always did it around other disciples. But the other thing is that he didn't do what they were doing. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that, that's what God wants to do when he empowers us by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. Um, I remembered before I went into full-time ministry, I was working um, at an animation studio called Hoo-Hoo's, and um, <clears throat> I was working on, on a family-friendly cartoons, you know, and we would make family-friendly cartoons, uh, Nickelodeon cartoons, and it was really fun, you know, we, I was working there, and I remembered working with one of my friends who was a mentor, and um, he was mentoring me how to, you know, draw characters and stuff. Um, as I built relationally with him, I found out eventually uh, he used to be a Christian, and he used to go to, um, I mean, he still goes to church, but along the way, he hit a brick wall. That's what he said to me. He hit a brick wall, and he stopped following Jesus. He stopped following for some various reasons, and he basically just gave up on his faith. <clears throat> uh, during the breaks, um, as I observed, like he would uh, watch video clips of like half-naked girls, and he would use that as a way to help him draw uh, his characters and stuff. And I remembered, you know, he'd always quote scriptures to me, he'd always tell me like, you know, read the Bible, you know. Bible says this, and you know, Abraham, and all these different, you quote scriptures, and he was, he knew the Bible more than me, you know, he outsmart me, and one day the Holy Spirit said to me, 
you need to go up, Leonard, and you, you need to go and speak to him, and you need to speak the truth to him. I mean, obviously, I've been building with him for about four to five months now. And so I stepped out and I said to him, look, hey, man, I'm, um, I, I'm going to ask you a personal question, and I know this is a bit uncomfortable, but um, your, 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 your family is Christian, right? Your parents are Christians, right? Yeah, they're Christians. Okay, well, imagine if your family were here now and they saw what you're looking at, and let alone um, God sees 24-7, He sees your life, looking at, seeing what you're doing right now, looking at these, you know, these women are valuable, you know, they're creating God's image, and I think you're treating them, it's it's just not cool what you're doing, you know, you're actually in the wrong. You know, why would you continue to live a sinful lifestyle like that? (laughs) Only do that. And you know the Holy Spirit tells you. Anyways, he said to me, I mean, this is when he got saved now. I mean, he said to me, he actually got so offended when I said that. But it still brought conviction to him. I mean, during that time when I confronted him, he didn't get saved yet. After a month later, I was just so frustrated. I was so frustrated. I remember inviting him to Encore as well. He came to Encore. Um, heard the gospel, still didn't get saved. And I got to a point where I was like, God, I just give up. God, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to reach this guy. He's just so stubborn. And then the Holy Spirit said, "Um, you know that video that you've been watching about uh, on YouTube, 23 minutes in hell. This pastor was sent to hell for 23 minutes and um, he had an experience of being in hell for 23 minutes and, he, and God warned him about, you know, that there's a real place called hell. Go, go, go share that video with him. Okay, sweet. Let's do another one like this, you know. And so um, I, I let him watch this video. I said, look, look, bro, this, this video is really cool, man. It really um, helps you. And I believe it will help you in your walk with God. Just watch it. It's called 23 Minutes in Hell. And so he watches this video on, during his break. Stops looking at, you know, half-naked chicks. Now he's like watching this video. And he gets so convicted. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him. You know? He gets so convicted and he gets saved and he gets born again and he truly gets saved. And in fact, he joined our church. He actually goes to every nation, uh, Auckland City right now. You know, the, the Holy Spirit wants to use you as his mouthpiece to speak his word. I'm not saying you have to go and do what I'm doing. But maybe the Holy Spirit will use you in such a way that, that you're going to meet someone where they're at. But you have to obey and you have to continue to pray and, and say, Holy Spirit, come, fill me. Fill me. You know, um, in that studio that I was working, I worked for about four of the five months. Um, I mean, I got, I got made redundant. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, long story. I had to, you know, quit from there. And that's when I went into full-time ministry. Not long after that, Two other people got saved in my workplace. That's three of them. You know, if, if, if God can use my life to minister, He can use you too. Because my life is not any other, it's not any special. Seriously, it's not. I'm, I'm, I have sinful areas in my life that I always repent every day. I need God. God can use you. And God wants to use you to empower you. A spirit-empowered life completely submitted under the Lordship of Jesus 
being used by Him, being filled by Him. I just want to take a time right now to pray for you guys um, with all eyes closed. Just with all eyes closed. I mean, from the past five weeks through the Make Room series, I believe the Holy Spirit must be speaking to you.